You misunderstand ease. I think whoever said that means joy, not the quality of being easy. And difficult things can bring joy, and joy can bring ease. Asia Gable. Bending Not Breaking, Season 7, Episode 6, The Battle of Zaofu. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And we are talking about the Battle of Zalfu, which is like kind of a battle. Like, it's certainly a battle, but like, it's not like a battle battle. It's like a battle bots battle. You know, it's like, send out your champion. Yeah. Yeah. The Mountain and the Viper. Are you not entertained? Yes. (laughs) It's a very different battle than the Game of Thrones one with Pedro Pascal. Yeah, that's yeah, that's just a little different than that. For a sure. little, little different. P- yeah. Animated PG version. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. And we are talking about this episode. We are going to talk about this episode. For, right. I was get, I was getting to the point. Uh huh. Uh huh. I don't want to make this easy for you. I'm trying to ease into it. Oh, I see. I see. I see. We're talking about ease. The lens of ease. Because I'm easy, easy like Sunday morning. Yeah, you know, all the all the things were easy in this one. So we were like, let's pick ease. Let's talk about ease. I actually, yeah, there's some things to there's some things to chat about about ease that I actually it's uh that pop up that in multiple forms. And and so we'll talk about that. Um what what is ease, Ben? Uh, you know, the the quality of things being easy. Right, hate, hate that the absence of difficulty. Yeah. Okay. Use the antonym to describe to define it instead of the the synonym. Okay. Correct. Well, you didn't even you just used the word. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Ease is easy. Yeah. Uh, to make something less serious or severe. Yeah. To ease one's burdens. Uh, yeah. or um, you know, to 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 wade into something. Yeah. Well, and I think what's neat about this is to think about how ease is relative, right? And yeah. so easy and what has ease in my experience is going to be very different than what is easy in your experience. Yes. Yeah. Well, with different identities and qualities of their bodies and minds. Yeah. Moments definitely pop up for that. So that'll be an interesting thing to talk about. But before we do that, I have to play my role in our... Bi-weekly journey of me giving a recap. Indeed. Indeed. So you got 30 seconds on the clock? I sure do. Are you ready? I'm ready. On your mark. Get set. Go. Su Yin and Sons try to ease into camp and muck duck Kuvira, but it's a trap leading to a conversation with Korra, but then an actual fight with Korra, who then uh, uses other airbenders to jump in while breaking the rules of engagement and, and trying to escape. It's very wrong. Uh, elsewhere, Varric is forced to work on spirit vines with Bolin and makes a bomb. And Bolin saves them both before they could be permanently part of the banyan tree fertilizer. That's oh. it. Wait, you still have a second? Oh wow, that was you. You didn't even use your whole time. Again, fight. <laughs> you could have been superfluous with details, and you just chose to just leave them out. Ah, uh, now we're we're pretty. I pretty much nailed it. There's yeah. a big fight scene. Yeah, big fight scene. Core struggles. Lots of muck duck. Well, uh, yeah. Try to muck duck Kuvira. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, for for a second when you said that, I was like, dang, was that an avatar reference that I didn't catch? <laughs> no, that was an office reference. I know, but I had to like it took me three or four seconds while you were going. I was like, man, what I, I, where did I miss that? And anyway. I yeah, yeah, that is one of my favorite jokes from The Office. Every time I rewatch it, is like R is one of the most menacing sounding <laughs> letters. Murder. Watch <laughs> called murder, not muck duck. <laughs> <laughs> it always makes me chuckle on yeah. the rewatch. Okay, uh, yeah, let's talk. Uh, so ease in this episode, it's very interesting. One of the things you talked about again is ease is relative, which immediately made me think of uh, Bolin not knowing how to do the thing. Yeah. And the expectation that Bolin knows how to do the thing because the thing is different every single time. 
um, which there is. <laughs> which is, so very, honestly, this is probably the most likable I've ever seen Varric, even though it's still kind of incel energy of like, really Julie, like Julie left me suicide, which is a very like dark, like route for a, for an episode. Um, and I, I think that, all, yes, but that I think it would have been worse had that been in front of other people versus like in his lonesome, like thinking on it in a pensive way. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, so it's like, I, we got to see Varric in a different light in this episode. And I, yeah, anyway, continue. Well, and so you, so Bo, uh, Bolin, right? Not knowing how to do the thing, but it does occur to me because this is a very real feeling of like imposter syndrome that people typically have, like in work, is like, I'm not good enough for this job. Um, this it's very easy for this other person to do this menial task and it's very difficult for me it means i'm bad the reality is like no you just might not have the experience of doing that like there's so many tasks yeah that come with like work um i think you and i were having conversations about this is like someone will be like do you know how to use this online system and it's like i have zero experience in that they're like "Mm." and you're like yeah but like give me a day Uh, give me eight hours of messing with it and i'm pretty sure i can like do it better than half the people figure it out right yeah. um like it's in those are the, like you can teach someone to make a pdf right like that's like those are easy so there's certain things like that that happen though whether it's in you know healthcare or any other field that's happening or where you're like i don't know how to do this and it's like well you haven't had the opportunity to do it and learn it and so it will eventually become easy to do those things um so one of the things you lifted up here is really interesting for me because i can't find the source from which i heard this originally and that's going to bother me um but there you you lifted up imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome is inherently a product of oppressive systems and so it's a product of patriarchy, white supremacy, and what that what it does is it creates this feeling of I'm an imposter. I don't have the qualities because we have been told all our lives that we are inferior. And when we have been gaslit to believe that over the course of all of our systems contributing to this, all of the lingo contributing to this, all of our culture contributing to this, it creates a system in which imposter syndrome is a natural occurrence for uh, people who are oppressed. And it makes it so that it's more difficult for people in that position and removes the ease because of the context. And I wish I could give you more details as to where I, I saw this, but alas. And that um, makes a whole lot of sense. If the, if the room has always been straight white men. Yes. If you're outside of that norm, the question, whether it is valid or not to yourself is, am I supposed to be here? Yeah. Um, well, and we think that other people are experiencing that. Like we think other people are asking that question about us. When often what happens is, you know, It's the same thing with like when a person who hasn't had a lot of money walks into a room with a lot of money, right? It's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm, but it, and so rather than it being, you know, put on the individual, that is a product of the system and intentional. It is designed to exclude and make you not want to be in that space, right? And so it's, it's kind of scary to think about. It's really that's a really interesting way to put it because the other the other uh, thing that I've seen for imposter syndrome this feeling of like um, this isn't easy for me so I'm not good at it yeah. um, is a place it comes from perfectionism and shame is the other another argument that I've heard around like yeah because if you're holding yourself to this high standard of of operating at a hundred percent all the time and that yep. that's what you need to do to be successful in your role is to operate a hundred percent all of the time. Yep then of course you're never going to feel like you're meeting that standard and that you shouldn't be there. Um, And so that's another, and so, but you know, um, again, the idea of like, no, you don't have to be the best. You just have to do your best and your best might be operating at 60% on a given day. Cause that's just the amount of gas you got in your tank. Right. Like, 
That's just where you are that day. And that's fine. You are, you're driving as far as you can go. And that might not be as far as you could drive yesterday, but like you're, that's fine. And I think that that's a, that's a weird thing to train yourself to get back into. Well, and I think what, what helps us kind of bring this back to the episode too, is to think about specifically there, there is the pressure from a culture and society to be perfect. Right. And if you aren't, then you aren't good enough. Right. And then there's the personal pressure one puts on oneself because of that external pressure that we have control over at least a little bit. Um, We can change and modify how we move into the world. And I think having those two separate things and being able to distinguish between them allows us to change the narrative for our personal structure. And so Kuvira, for instance, has a very strong personal narrative. Like she is confident, right? Like who in any history of the the avatar has been able to like go up and say, yeah, go into the avatar state. I'm not worried, right? Like even Ozai was was a little bit like- Was nervous and right? And- like the 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 gall the the ease with which she walked into that conversation right um is really interesting to me and i i think that comes with knowing that like what i'm doing is right i'm good i've won every battle since i started doing this i like you know what i mean i think that it has been built over time and then comparing that to cora who has lost a lot recently, <laughs> right? And walks into this battle and is walking despite the falls and feeling a little like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good. And this is a harder battle for her, right? This is a very, like, despite the fact that they are both exceptionally good in combat settings, this seems like a mental battle more than it is a physical battle, right? Is that yeah, just- I- there it makes me think of there there's sometimes uh we think we remove ourselves from the stimulus that causes the pain the trauma the everything else right and so we're good but the reality is there's still more healing that needs to take place um yep. so assuming that i we pulled out the metal what's going on yeah um well there's still healing that needs to take place that the core is still working with and and you know so I think it kind of gets to when we try stuff, I think there's a lot of times so when I get here, it becomes easy, right? Yeah. When I, when yeah. I get that promotion, it becomes easy. Like my relationships will get better. I'll have to, I won't have to work as hard uh, with my significant other. We won't have to communicate as much. We won't have to sit, like, it's easy because this one thing changed in our lives. And the reality is like, no, we got to, focus on all of those things that are going to contribute to our well-being growing forward. It's not just, there's no one fix that makes life easy. And I like the way you said that too, because you pulled in, I think it was either Janora or Opal that said that. Mm-hmm. They, they said, the, the metal's gone. Why is this still a problem? And, you know, the expectation is, oh, we cured this. Cora is going to return to my understanding of her normal. Right. And what we learned from Addie during her episode was that this, when we are grappling with trauma and when we are in recovery and healing from trauma, we are not ever going to return to that normal that once was. That specific normal. Yeah, we are establishing and creating a new normal that we are learning to live with. And that's what's happening. And now we see that other people have to grapple with that too. And we realize that trauma is not just an individual experience. It is a communal experience. Yes. Right. And so the, the ease uh, in our expectations of others is really important to, to check. Right. And so if we learn anything from that comment, it's for me, not to judge another person's circumstance and yes. to be really careful about what I expect other people to experience is easy. And I, I, you know, so a lot of times we think of, of ease and difficulty on this spectrum of that's, that's pretty straight, right? Like it's a pretty straight line. Like 
you're at a level one, it's really difficult or you're a level 10, it's really easy. Right. And so, you know, your normal fluctuates between those things. And the reality is it's more of a matrix, right? Like this thing might get easy, but then because you've chosen to make this easy, this other thing gets harder. Um, And that's just because we're complicated. And that's the same for Cora. Like I got the metal out. There's certain things I can do better, but there's still other things that are going to be difficult. Um, it, like fighting Kuvira, right? Like, you know, we know that she's in a more joyous place. She's in a more peaceful place. She's done a lot of work, but like, that doesn't mean that fighting is still the easiest thing for her now that she's coming back to. This is a first major, this is her first fight. Really? Since yeah. Being back since fight club that she was in and, you know, lost to herself. Yeah. And she's, and that's, and that's still happening, right? Like it's not going to be like, again, so, um, one of the other things that pops up for me in this episode is, is using the idea of ease as a manipulation tactic or as a, um, almost as a bargaining chip. Right. And what trigger, what brought this up for me was Kuvira's, uh, all call over the speaker system. Yeah, exactly. Your life will be easy. Your life won't be touched. You will be good. And, but that's only if your leaders make the choice to come out and bow to me. If not, it's their fault, right? So like it's, I want, the easy I want, I want things to be easy for you. They're going to make it difficult because of their pride and not bowing down to me. Yeah. So now you're positioning it. So it's like, who are they going to be mad at when things go to, you know, exactly. go to hell. And so. And that phrasing matters, right? That's so important. Well, and it's, it's also one of those things where like it, it's bow to me right now or go to jail. Right. When you present it is that that's another way of framing. That's it. an easy decision, right? Like, <laughs> that's a, okay. I guess I'm going to bow down because I don't want to go to jail because I have to take care of my kids because I need to make money because I, I have a job. And if I don't make that money, I'm not going to be able to feed myself. I like, there are so many contributing factors as to why that is a problematic exchange of it's, Oh, it's easy. You just, you just do it or go to jail. Even when going to jail may be the right thing. Some people can't make that choice because of the circumstances that that puts that person in. And so this is a common uh, experience in protest culture in the United States, too, to think about, right? Like, uh, sure, protesting is the right thing to do for, you know, ex-white person in response to um, the murder of Black people uh, via police, right? And so when that's happening and there are a bunch of protests happening in the streets, you know, it's like, oh, I guess I could go out or uh, it's a lot easier for me to just go go to work like normal. It's a lot easier for me to do uh, what my family expects of me and to do X, Y and Z versus to do what is right. Right. And so there's this similar process that happens when people of privilege and means are put in a situation where they have to decide between maintaining the status quo or, or changing it for the better uh, and for what they think is right. And oftentimes people will choose comfort. And I think that what we're <laughs> being challenged to do, especially in this, this scene specifically, is we're seeing how important it is and how hard it is to get out of our comfort zone and, and to do what is right and to stand up against tyranny. Um, and it's complex. It's not an easy decision, but it is a decision that more often is being asked of people of privilege and means in this country. Like to haul your senator when another, you know, anti-trans bill comes into into legislation, right? Or no, it'll it'll just iron out as it is. Yeah, because right? even if something is considered easy sometimes, and again, ease ease is relative. Yep. Um, sometimes we choose just the easiest of the e- like. It's not hard, typically, uh, to find a way to communicate with a senator, state senator, via voicemail, email. Like that is by an email. That is relatively easy, depending on who you are. Yeah. It is easier to not do that. Correct. And so, even when something can be easy, sometimes we lean with the easier, right? And so, 
it's how how do we push ourselves out of that norm when standing up to the fascism that we are seeing in the legend of Korra and in our current world. Um, cause we're seeing, a, we're seeing a good amount of it. Right. So. Yeah, we are. You know what this conversation is reminding me of that is I like, I, I digress a little bit, but I think it's an interesting point. You know, when I was in middle school, I was, uh, I was in honors classes. Yeah. And you're very smart. Uh, yeah. No big deal or anything, <laughs> but like I, I was in honors classes. And for some reason, when I moved to the eighth grade, I was put in a non honors class and I was in it for about a week before went going into, before getting switched out into an honors class. And it was harder in the non honors class than it was in the honors class for that week. And there was, I, and it's like, there was more work. There was like more like, um, daily assignments. There were more like, uh, what's busy work, things that were keeping us busy rather than actually teaching and then having critical analysis. And I found, you know, the critical analysis to be easy, but the busy work to just be like, so annoying and frustrating. Like, why am I doing this? Why is this yeah. important? And that took away from the ease, despite those assignments being literally easy. And I'm thinking about how that's often true when you look at the difference between what is what is easy and who it is easy for, right? And it, I, I think that we we kind of see that in 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 this episode in how again, the system, like one classroom that is designed a specific way may not be easy for certain students, right? And it may be easier to be in a different setting in a different classroom, but because of the grades they have earned in the difficult setting, right? They are continuing to have to stay in that difficult setting rather than being able to escalate and go into a quote honors classroom, right? And I, I think that it's an, an inherent flaw in the system and how we educate, right? And there's a lot of problems with the education system. Let's talk to Paulo Freire for a second and go to the pedagogy of the oppressed. But um, I, I just am reminded of that in this conversation for some reason. And I think that's really kind of pulling me in to thinking about how literally the environment makes a huge difference as well. Ease is a privilege. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ease, ease is, and, it, and what, what, what your story reminds me of is literally getting out of poverty in the, in American Being capitalistic system, I'm right? Not. Like um, if you're poor commuting to a new job for higher pay, very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, the bills and the interest on bills because you can't pay them. And so they get deeper and deeper, you know, hits harder. Uh, the, the lack of cash flow in certain situations because you're consistently paying out for bills and foods, just creating more and more excess. And then the stress that comes with that or the need to work two jobs. And because of that, then you struggle to, you know, help with educational pieces. And so the cycle continues and it's tougher and tougher to get out of that. Right. And so, um, we're for, and you know, anyone else, Hey, you've got a, a $300, you know, service fee on your car that you got to pay oh cool yeah easy yeah right i don't have to worry about that it's paid off great cool bum done right um and that level of ease really is relative but it's it just the the idea around like who are we making it making it easy for and why yeah um well, and and that's again if we go back to kuvira why is she making who how is she making things easy and how is she using that ease to her advantage Right. And yeah, so she, you got a lot of people inside the earth kingdom right now that would tell you their life is not easy with Kavira. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but in, when, when you're faced with a binary choice of like this easy choice or a lifetime of oppression <laughs> until somebody deposes me, join, join my military or go to prison. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, in that sense, and then, then if you're already living a struggling life, something like military might be like, I've got clothes, I've got food. Exactly. Like this is the easy choice. Yep. I'm on the side of fascism right now because it's keeping food in my mouth. 
it is not always that easy to judge the people who make the easy choice. Yeah. So that is worth noting. Um, um, yeah. What you got? What else? So I want to, we, we briefly talked about Bolin and Varric, but I want to go back. Let's uh, do it. And I so I was going to go talking about, I want to talk about Julie for a second um, specifically. So this relationship between Varric and Julie, which we don't see in this episode, but is like context for the episode, is that Julie makes it easy for Varric, right? And Varric says, do the thing, the thing gets done. There is an element of connection between them in which she understands his mind in a way that she like knows what he's talking about. And, you know, I was thinking about partnership because we, spoiler alert, know where this is headed in terms of their relationship. And I'm I'm curious about the nature of partnership and ease in partnership and what partners do for one another. And um, is it inherent upon being in relationship with another person that they make it easier for the other? Does that make sense as a question? Like, uh, is that a requirement for a positive relationship? Is that? Yeah, is- I'm wondering. Like, and I and I can think of other relationships in which, you know, if we go to Katara and Aang, right? They are constantly helping each other and easing the burden of one another. I think that easing the burden on your partner is a pretty pretty common thing that we could probably observe um, in a lot of partnership. And so, I'm just curious what your what your thoughts are on this. So at first I would say, similar to my thought earlier, where uh, it's not a linear spectrum, that it's more of a matrix. I think the answer then falls into yes and, right? Because there are things that are easy um, or that are helpful or there are things that like can certainly benefit partners. And I think that is, I think that's community. I think that we're talking about the, uh, the positive nature of communities of being able to lift each other up. And I think of partnerships as just like, that's a small community. Um, you, you and your significant other or partner or roommate or best friend or however you want to look at it. So yes. And, but there's also stuff that like, if you get down into weird, like, so, cause we'll get back to Julie, but like, so the answer is yes. And I think there are also things that get done differently that maybe don't make life easier in the viewpoint of the person. But like overall, that it's a net positive, if that makes sense. Um, well, it, so like, it's easy for me to load the dishwasher the way that I want to load it. Sure. Uh, but it's also sometimes helpful for my partner to be willing to like do that. And then, yeah. but you're like, that's not how I would load it. And that's what not efficient. And, you know, like there's, those are micro moments of like, is it easier? But, but I think the answer is yes. Well, and I, and I think what it does is it creates negotiation and compromise around what you do can make my life easier. I'd appreciate it if you did it this way. And you're like, well, this makes my life harder. Is it worth my life being harder in this area to make it easier for you? Right. Correct. And that, and there's this constant negotiation of what's, and I think that it, theoretically can always be filtered through the are our lives easier because we are in relationship with one another correct versus this one little detail it might be a little bit harder it's like doing that for you is is not gonna be helpful (laughs) and and i want to do that for you but that's not that is worse for me in a not okay way right right and, and so, there's certain, and then there are certain things that I think they're compromised. So if we're talking about relationships, right? There, there's agreements that come down. Uh, let's talk about you and I living together, right? Because well, um, we were roommates, and they were roommates. Um, there are certain things that you are willing to take on completely. Um, that might have been more difficult, but like you were willing to take that on as like I agree and consent that like I'm going to be the one that does the lawn, right? Like. Yep. that's going to be my project. I'm going to take it, you know, and then hopefully your partner is picking something else maybe that is equivalent. But if everyone's consenting and okay with that, even if there isn't an, an equivalent quote unquote, like exchange, mm-hmm. if everyone's on board with that level of negotiation and consenting to that and feels good about that, then like, it doesn't have to be equivalent. It just needs to be something that everyone is willing to do. Currently, I'm buying in the process of trying to buy a home with my wife. Um, 
My wife. My wife. Um, and her limit and threshold for commuting to work is way lower than mine is. <laughs> and so, like, cool. So, like, I'm willing to move to a house that may be a 30 to 45 minute drive because she is not able to do a drive that is 20 minutes. Like, that will, like, that will wreck her day. Um, we're like, I'm like, I got podcast and music and like, do, 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 I can drive for an hour. Um, that's just my personality. And yep. so like, you could look at that on paper and say, that's not equivalent. That's not fair. Um, that's harder for him, but that's something that I'm feel good about and, and consenting to. And I think that's, that's where the one thing with Julie and Varick, as we kind of know about their lives is there's a part of me that goes. This is a problematic relationship that feels very abusive majority of the time. And this is not to be said that people cannot consent, but it is either a coerced consent, which is not consent, or yep. uninformed consent, which is not consent. Um, that then makes that difficult. That, like there are moments between Julie and Varick where I go, is that uninformed consent or is that coerced consent? Mm-hmm. But there are also times where I'm like, is Julie just cool with doing that thing? Julie's just a lot smarter than like, <laughs> like it, so are there things that we just don't navigate this like to Julie? And no, I'm 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 consenting with right mind and, and sound mind that like, yeah, I'm cool with doing that thing. And also, like, it is not my place to judge their relationship, right? If that's what she likes and that's what the the role that she enjoys playing, if that is the, the you know, if that is the nature of their relationship, then who am I to judge? Right. And I think that that's yeah. something that's important. If they're not know. harming others. Exactly. Right. Like if they're not harming each other. Right. Like, yeah, correct. <laughs> you know what I mean, like and I, I think that, you know, there are so many things that I don't understand. Like I, I saw a t- TikTok recently where. There is a, um, and this is not a judgment. This is, I was genuinely like shocked because I had never heard of this before, but there is a, a form of like financial dom. So like in the dom sub relationships in the kink world, there yeah. is a financial uh, dom who like just can like, it'll exchanges relationship for money. And yeah. Uh, I, I had like, I was fascinated. So I just went through and just like dove into the whole the rabbit hole. Yeah. I dug into the rabbit hole just to learn more. Cause it was just like, this is fascinating to me. And like, to, there was a lot of me who was like, that just is, I'm really uncomfortable with that. But also like, that's not my place to judge, right? That's how they want to spend their money. That is awesome. Great. Use it. That is your money to spend. That is your relationship to have. Um, if that's what makes you feel better and what makes you feel whole, then great, go for it. Um, so anyway, I, I, I think that that's just an interesting thing to consider when we judge relationships that we probably don't have all the information. In fact, we know we don't have all the information about how this relationship works and what we see might be problematic, but problematic to who and why and how. And I think that's just something to think about because yeah, like I wouldn't want my relationship to be Julie and Varick's relationship. That would not work for me, right? And so yeah. to get back to your initial question of like, what is the role in partnerships and community to ease the suffering of others, right? Um, it depends, I think is the answer. It's, it's re- ease is relative because I need to cook for my neighbor because they just had a surgery and they need food. That's making my life harder. Yep. By making their life easier. Yep. But sometimes we, we make that because we it it benefits the community. Uh-huh. Um, and so yeah. Now if I was having to do that every night for a year, we'd have to set some boundaries because <laughs> yeah. you're like, well, you know, it reminds me of Gottman, uh, and they're they're the like leading people on um marriage and identifying like healthy partnership. Marriage. Yeah. And one of the things that they talk about is when you start scorekeeping, it's problematic. And yeah. uh, when I think about like, oh, easier for you, but harder for me, but this is easy. When you start to keep score in regards to that, that is a sign that your relationship is not doing too hot. 
Um, and so I just, I'm reminded of that in this conversation too, where um, that can, if it leads to, if you notice that there's a building resentment of like, I do so much more. Well, let's, 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 let's unpack that. Let's more regarding what, and what are we not observing that the other person might be doing that we're missing out on? Um, and how do we appreciate that? Uh, one of the questions that me and my partner will ask each other is, are, do you, do we feel okay with the balance of responsibilities as they're currently happening? And sometimes the answer is like, yep. All right, cool. We'll continue to go. And sometimes it's like, actually, no, this thing at work is taking a lot more of my time and energy and effort. It would be beneficial if you are willing to cook all the dinners this week. Yeah. Sure. Like, so that conversation of what makes ease and what it, cause you know, is, is important. And again, people's thresholds of how much they can handle something are also very different. Yep. Um, it, it takes a lot, you know, this to bother me when it comes to like <laughs> responsibilities, like just most of the time, like stuff that just might bother someone quicker, like, Hey, there's a plate in the dish. You mind taking it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'll put it in the dishwasher. I also am cool with like, yeah, that plate, we have three plates in the dishwasher or in the sink, uh, less than a day. Also cool. Like I just, most of that stuff flows off my back. And so people's uh, ability to say like, Hey, you've been doing all of the vacuuming. You've been yeah. doing all of the child caring. There's a, there's relationships where it's typically fine. Be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool with that. My thresholding capacity for that is, yeah. is, is, you know, just very high. And so sure. Um, and so it's just relative to every, every relationship and every person. And that also changes, right? We have to communicate with others in community to understand like, Hey, you've been doing this for three months. How is this going? Oh, it's harder than I thought it was. We should reevaluate our initial agreement. Right. So things change. Yeah. And I think that's important to understand. It's just, everything changes. Yeah. Uh, where else would you like to go? Um, so this is, it's a weird, (laughs) it's, uh, it kind of goes back to the idea of, um, taking the easy way out. But it's a weird uh, analogy because it's about the bad people taking the easy way out and it costing them. Um, so you're kind of like in that situation, like, I'm glad they took the easy way out. But because yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think about I don't want my hands to get blown off. Can we just let Bolin do it? Yeah. And then now they've got a team that can, you know, it, had they not taken the easy way out. Yeah. Um, you know, most of that stuff wouldn't have happened or Varric would just be gone and would have done it anyways, but no one would have been able to earthbend him out of there. Yeah. You know, I was really impressed with Varric in this scene. Um, I think we really got a sense of his, like his brilliance, right? Because other times it's played off for fun and not really leaned into, but we know he's intelligent because like he's clearly developing technologies. Well, well and I, I love that he is getting under the skin of Junior throughout this entire episode. And I think it's incredibly intentional. I think they're so dumb. Wolf bats don't make nests. You got me there, Mister Science. Like, like, like yeah, those little like, moments are. Like him just calling Junior out, being like, "You're not a scientist. You're not yeah. good at this stuff." He reads him like a book. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 brilliant because he plays to everyone's fears, and as soon as one thing doesn't go, he's planned ahead and has like, "Nope, I've got the switch too." And like he has really leaned into this idea of planning just like it seems like that comes super easy to him to be able to work on the fly and under duress and that is not easy to me for sure but i i was just so impressed with Beric. no and i think we we talked a little bit about er, about it earlier about the relativeness of uh, of ease and how we show up with imposter syndrome but it's yeah. important to highlight here as well that Varric could not have done what Bolin did at the end of this episode, which is get them out and away from that explosion. Nope. Right. So like, so even though Bolin couldn't do a lot of the things that his team needed at the time, Varric couldn't do the thing that their team needed at the time. That was easy for Bolin yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that again, that's just an importance of just because some things are hard for you. Doesn't mean you don't have value just because yeah. some things are difficult. Doesn't mean that there's not, that you're not worthy of love and belonging. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's also important just to highlight. You know, and in, in, there was a moment in this exchange between Bolin and Varric that really got me because it's such a tough experience when you're in the moment, but Bolin is freaking out. 
right? Bolin is like, I don't know how to help you. Why did you bring me here? I don't want to be here. Help me out. Like, I don't, what are you doing? Let me be in the cell. And then I don't want to get blown up. And then Bo, like Varric is just continuing to jibe at Batar Jr. And then there's this moment where he's like, no, I'm going to blow everything up. And Bolin's like, no, no, don't blow me up. I'm not okay with it. And then Varric just turns him and says, dude, trust me. And it is so hard to in that moment, even when with people you have a loving, incredible relationship with, when things are going wrong, to be like, oh, okay, I'll just trust you. <laughs> like, when the trust me was like, no, we're going out. It was a good run. <laughs> and yeah, I love the boat. like, I'm still running. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's just those subtle, like, trust me's, which happen a lot, I feel like, especially in, in for good and for bad stories like these, for good and bad, are are really hard to discern between. And that's like, talk about the ease, right? If that's, if, if reading people is not your strength, then you're going to suffer in those moments. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was really thrown by that. It was really interesting. Can we, can we talk about something like trivial for a second? Yeah. yeah. The, the scene in which Milo and Iki are painting. And, Hilarious. Oh, it's so funny, right? But it's like, one of those things of the ease with which they paint and the judgment around art is really interesting for me because Milo paints this like masterpiece with technical precision. Right. And, you know, I forget his name comes up to him and says, "Ugh, you're, you're not painting with heart. This, this is an art, right. Yeah. And versus Ikis who is like, you know, crayon drawings of right like that are and it's just like super not technical and he's like ah oh, masterful i really see everything that's coming from within you and it's really interesting to me to think about how when you ask artists sometimes they'll say similar things of like it's not the technical precision that makes you an artist it's other things that are somewhat more intangible and the like one the judgment around like who gets to deem what is art but also the ease of like communicating and displaying something that's on your in your emotional well-being and in your in your person versus um technical precision on a page and talent um does that make sense is like a, a distinction so much sense uh because it's and I think it's important because it goes back to the way that we see ourselves, especially. And I keep going back to like, if I'm not good at this thing, I'm not worthy to do it. Um, it's very, it definitely happens in, in almost all forms of art, right? I don't want to play piano in front of people until I'm good enough to play in front of people. Yep. Um, I don't want to show my paintings to folks until it is good enough to show to yep. others. Uh, and a lot of times that gets translated like, I don't have the technical skill. Um, dude, I've seen some of the most cool musical performances that have ripped my heart out. There were four chords on a guitar by someone who started, yeah, you know, three weeks ago because the guitar proficiency wasn't good, but the writing proficiency was immaculate and the performing proficiency was immaculate. Yeah. And so I think there's, there's certain aspects of things that, um, even in our own work, I don't want to have that, that customer service conversation. I don't want to have that conversation with my boss because I can't have it perfectly, Exactly. The reality is like, no, there's value in the suck. There's value in the not doing it perfectly um, because that's how you get to it. And so that doesn't mean you're not good enough. It means that it's not going to be easy for the first little bit. Parent conversations with me right now when it comes to like childcare stuff, uh, don't, they're not always easy, but yeah. I've gotten really good at them over 15 years of, of being able yeah. to, to deescalate, to being able to listen to being able to not pass judgment or like get defensive that's taken time and practice that for my first parent conversation, I wasn't necessarily good at, but yeah. I mean, you get better at them. And so, well, and I think what's interesting about that is that reminds me of like, Oh, you're such a natural at that. And no, I have spent 15 years honing these skills. Mm -hmm. Right. Correct. And and so it's the same thing with a lot of skill building, right? There's a lot of quote soft skills that are, oh, you're just you're just a natural leader. No, I have built up and cultivated the skills that have put me in this position, right? And you can name that with pretty much any soft skill, right? And hard skill, but like a lot of times there's more 
like assumption that soft skills are either just naturally given to us by the grace of God versus, you know, something that is actually able to be built via skill building, you know? Well, uh, this makes me think of, and I'm not sure if this happens anywhere in this episode specifically, but it is when we're talking and having a conversation about ease, when things aren't easy, how that lack of proficiency can be weaponized. Yes. Um, and I don't know if I can pinpoint a moment in this episode around that. Um, but the ability of, oh, I don't, <laughs> I used to do it to my dad all the time when they were telling me to like learn teaching, trying to teach me how to like iron shirts when I was a kid. Yeah. I'd like mess up on purpose. I'd be like, oh, you got to do it. Do it. You, y'all got to, if you want a clean shirt, y'all got to do it. Um, and I, in, in that is a, that is a very real thing that people will do. Oh, I'm just, I'm not good at pulling those reports. I'm going to need you to pull them for me. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm not good at a parent conversation. I'm going to need you to do that parent conversation. Um, and so that, not only, and it might be valid, right? I might not be good at doing those things. Yeah. But then using that as a way to like absolutely get rid of any tort sort of like animosity, make my life easier to do those things is there's problem problematic in that. So if anything, it was in Varric like lying to Batar to get Bolin to come, but the mood. Right. Um, the, the last thing on my mind with the content of the episode and in, in relative to ease is circling back to Cora and thinking about the hero's journey, you know, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and thinking about how the hero encounters a problem. And when they encounter a problem, they try to avoid it or they try to solve it in all of the easiest ways before they finally face the fear that they are grappling with. Right. And we see it with Korra in a way, in a microcosm in this episode of like Korra is scared of the Avatar state. So she tries to talk with Kuvira and see if, you know, will talk work. She tries to fight Kuvira without using the Avatar state. And then eventually she finally gets into the Avatar state. And that's what she's scared of. And it leads to the problem. Um, right. And so it's one of those things where the hero's journey is like, all about facing the the fear and in this case it's you know <laughs> the trauma and the fear that she's experiencing um and it's one of those things where it's 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 interesting to me that you know we see over the course of this episode that kind of take place and the goal according to joseph campbell is to face your fear rather than to avoid it right is a part of being what it means to be a hero and so it's tough to, to expect that from everyone, but that's what, you know, the, the model calls for, I guess. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's funny. It's uh, in almost every sports movie. There's always like the two teams meet up beforehand and the, yep. the person you're rooting for just gets absolutely smashed. And then, you know, sports montage, and then they win the next time they meet. Like, it, it, almost yeah. every boxing movie, almost every sports sports event, there's something like that that happens. Oh. Um, and so it just, just makes me think, it's just, what I, this is all I could think about when I was watching. It's like, oh, she's in her losing fight. Yep. She's got to lose this fight to win <laughs> the next one. lose this fight so she can come back and win the next one. Um, but yeah. Well, cool. Any other things we want to touch on the episode before we jump into our break? I mean, there are more, but we don't no, we can't always touch on everything. We'll, we'll be right back after this short little musical interlude. Do, 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 do. Break. Do dancing queen. 
Our producer likes to throw on like really like uh, non-danceable music during a musical interlude. Yeah. So <laughs> like lo-fi. Like very lo-fi like ambient. But yeah. hey, here we are. Yeah. So um Tween Law, what is pushing us and pulling us in into and away from this episode? Yeah, I you know, I this is an episode that's really interesting for me. I was like, I wouldn't, I don't know if you had asked me before watching um in this lens if i would have answered this play but i was really pulled in by by varick in this episode agreed he's mine like i was really i i don't know there was so much more nuance to his character that was introduced to us in this scene where previously he's like just been comic relief and in you know comedy is problematic for me a lot of the time (laughs) but like there was so much more depth to his character and I was really pulled in by that in this episode. There is uh, something that is, for whatever reason, it is fun to see when people are really competent at given skills. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so like, it, you know, wood, it's why I get sucked into like woodworking videos on TikTok, right? Like, it's just like, I can't do those things and I don't really want to do those things, but it is really interesting to see someone be really good at a skill. Um, and I think we just get that with Varric this entire episode is like we are seeing a competent, clever, thoughtful, somewhat altruistic, like <laughs> for the first time, Varric. And it is it is the most inter- I, you know, as much as I love Cora and will watch Cora for days, I agree. I think the the Varric arc is probably the most engaging part of this episode. Yeah, well, and I think we've uh, this is a. Uh a hard part of the Korra arc to watch because what we've seen is Korra heal this whole, this whole time. Like we've seen her down, down, down and healing, healing, healing. And then we see that we're, we're going back yep. down. Uh, after this as- ascension where we see her dive again. And, and, you know, it's just, it's always hard to, it's the messy middle. It's Brene Brown's messy middle, right? Like you can't skip part two. You can't skip the hard part. And this is the hard part for Korra. And, we're, we're getting there, but yeah, I was definitely really engaged with Barrett. What about you for what, what kind of pushed you away? Um, using Julie as bait was probably what pushes me away. Now, granted, Julie does not mean a lot to Kuvira, yeah. Kuvira. or kind of does if, cause Kuvira at the end of the episode is like, you're going to help He's me with some spirit line nonsense. Um, there is nothing that would have stopped and nothing that I have watched that I wouldn't believe, except if the fact you just believe that Su Yin wouldn't kill anybody. But exactly. like, there's a body. What is stopping from me on this cot? What is stopping from me just like sending a, you know, a pointed rock straight up the middle of that bed? Yep. And like being done with this entire thing. Yep. But it's Julie, right? And so like, I just you could argue that the Kuvira is currently more abusive to Julie than Varric ever was. Um, I think that argument. Yeah. Uh, that is, I don't know if that's how I feel long-term, but like in this moment, you could argue that that is certainly a, a well, thing. Julie says, don't hurt me. Correct. Like, and, and so the, the, there is not a clear understanding of what the expectation was from, from what was going to happen. Based off of what we saw. Right. Exactly. So and- and if Kuvira was confident that Su Yin wouldn't kill her, then she could just as easily have been in that bed too and still done what she did, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, like, you know? Yeah. There is a level of... So, yeah, the only reason you don't put yourself in that bed is if you think that there's a possibility that whoever's in it could be killed. Um, yeah. There's a level of fascism realness that is just... Too, too on the nose right now and i think that's another part where you're just kind of like mm, the conversations yeah. the language the rhetoric that you're just like geez like yeah, it is it is real familiar um and i think that's important for us as we're talking about all right what's the easy way is the easy way to not go to protest is the easy way to not yeah um, you know, and what is the right thing to do and that so that's i think a lot of us are going to get challenged on what's easy and what's what's not and what's comfortable especially if it means that because there's a lot more queer anti-queer bills have been passed this year and it's over 480 anti-trans legislation alone this year um there's a lot of of nastiness happening right now that a lot of us are gonna have to answer the question of like what's easy and comfortable 
and then what actually needs to be done. Um, It's, it's not great. Um, And just if like, we're from North Carolina, right. And North Carolina just, just proposed three or four anti-trans bills. And so again, if you're listening specifically from North Carolina, just because we are in North Carolina, note that we are very much in the thick of it. um, As is many, as are many States. Um, So yeah. Uh, so I, I think overarching that is something that like there are, you know, what pushes me away specifically, actually. I'm a, like, it takes me time to process. Mm-hmm. And there are some people where they come up against somebody who is like Kuvira and they are able to like deconstruct their argument right in front of them and spit back at them exactly why what they're saying and how they're saying it is problematic. And I am not one of those per- people. Right. I, t- I need time to process. And like, I heard you say that and I'm like, oh, I kind of agree with what you said, but like, I can't agree with what you said because I know it's wrong, but I don't know how to say it was wrong. And I like, and Kuvira is really good at talking circles around, around people. Well, and that's, there's so much to that in, in what we consider normal political debate right now is yes. that there's a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, it's a lot of, well, of course we all believe this. So here's the baseline. And then they quickly jump to the thing. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that's not an absolute. That is not an actual statement that we all agree with. You've just positioned yourself to be able to like, well, we all want kids to be safe. And then this, and they're like, well, let's break this down because you're not actually talking about safety right now. You're anyways. So you're as good at that. And I'm really bad at responding to it. And it makes me feel real time. Yeah, in real time. If you could write a dissertation on why that well, thought yeah. process is wrong, like, you, you I can got it down. Hard, like over time, yeah. but like in the moment, if I'm having a conversation with someone and they're like, oh, blah, blah, you know, and I'm like, I, I kind of freeze and I don't know how to say what I want to say very well in that moment because I there are too many directions my head goes as to why it's a problem rather than thinking about what's the most logical response and the best order to respond with and things along those lines that I freeze. Right. And I hate feeling that way. And the, like this episode, when I watch Kuvira talk to these different groups and articulate certain things, I'm like, no, my, I have this gut instinct response to saying no bad, but I can't yeah. immediately say why. And it just really highlights <laughs> how i feel like so how's you, that gonna play in your to your devotion this week how <laughs> yeah <laughs> how are you gonna bring that together uh you know okay we're talking about water a uh, water are. that water is the element this this week is water um, and so as we set an intention around water and then thinking about pairing that with with ease which is our lens you know the the thing I guess that comes to mind for me is this idea that there is a cyclical nature to the way water works. It, right. It, there is the water cycle, which we learned from like as early as, you know, kindergarten maybe, mm-hmm. but the, the water cycle has a, a natural order in which it expands and contracts and turns into steam and ev- like evaporates and does all these things and i'm thinking about how just because it is naturally going to flow that way doesn't mean we can't manipulate that cycle in order to make things easier for us and you know i I think about like we need drinking water right and so how do we take advantage of certain parts and pieces of that cycle to make it so that we get more drinking water faster and the, the reason I lift that up in thinking about ease is we can't sacrifice the water cycle at like at its core. We can't like not use the whole cycle in order to make things easier for me personally. Right. Um, things will naturally need to, if we stop evaporation from ever happening and use water, then we're going to lose rain and that's not good. Um, and we need all of those things for balance. And that's what this show is about. And so I think about it in, in that I need to pay attention to the parts of this cycle that I'm, that are easy for me. 
And I need to then pay attention to things that are difficult and see why and how I've been avoiding them. And so <laughs> I, I need to kind of realize that, you know, I am really bad at precipitation, figuratively speaking. And yeah. so what is that part of the cycle for me that I really need to analyze and recognize that I need to work on? Um, not in, that is not to say that we need to be good at everything, but we can strive to be better, right? And so I guess I'm going to look at what that looks like for me in terms of um, social justice issues, because that's that's where I'm at right now, is I want to pay attention to the things that I'm good at. And there are things that I'm good at. And I want to recognize and honor those strengths, but also be like, I haven't done this and I haven't done it for a while. And I want to make sure I do. So that's what I'm thinking about. I really loved our questioning and conversation around the role that we play in easing the community we live in while also acknowledging how that ebbs and flows inside of what makes it harder and, and for us. And, and so where's that balance of like positive amount of help without overburdening myself. Right. And so what do I actually have the capacity to do to be helpful to others? Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's just as those needs ebb and flow because those things aren't static. It's, it's rehabbing that conversation with the people in my community yeah. to say, Hey, where's that? Where are we at right now? Let's gauge the flow right now. Where are we at? Uh, and I think that's an important thing to do regularly. And so I'm going to start trying to implement that into conversations with people in my community when it comes to capacity for different things that, that are going to be beneficial. So, yeah, we, just had one of those conversations in our house last week where we were deciding like, oh, it feels like I've been, you know, this one thing that I've been doing has felt out of balance and I would like more help from you. And that's been hard. I'm like, okay, well, let's literally what you said, let's have that conversation and add this question at the end of when we plan this and say, does this feel balanced? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I think it's super helpful because a lot of time resentment gets built up and then that turns into assuming the worst and the stories we tell ourselves get really bad. And, and it's sometimes just easier. Sometimes it is, though it doesn't feel that way, it is actually easier to take the time on the front end to just have the conversation. There it um, is. <laughs> when like it, it, when it actually, it, it doesn't feel like it's going to be easy, yep. but in the long run, it is the actual easier option than yep. dealing with all the repercussions later on. Give us the full quote. We need it. It's easier to or uh, take the proper amount of time on the front end and then having the unreasonable amount of time on the back end. That's right. It will cost an unreasonable amount of time if you don't take the initiative to to have the tough conversation early. That's right. Gratitude. Let's we gotta wrap this episode up. We're Gratitude, up. who you're grateful for in 30 seconds. Y'all, I am grateful for Batar Sr. Uh, yeah. I, you know, the, the, the artists did an incredible job just like painting like this solemn, like I, I really, I really just loved this scene where he was standing up and Batar Jr. comes down and yells at his dad and he's like, and it's just like, I, he, he didn't get mad. He didn't get angry. He's just like, I'm really, I mean, he, did, he pulled the, I'm disappointed line. Right. But it was one Love of those it. where it was like, I just really admire that he was willing to to lead in that moment and to, to stand up. And I know that it took, he has a lot of privilege and the capacity to be able to do that. But even so that was not an easy thing to do. And I'm, I'm grateful that he chose the hard thing to do. Right. Integrity is choosing what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy. That's right. I just appreciate his integrity in that moment. Absolutely. How about you? I'm going with Opal. I love Opal. Yeah. Uh, we always do. Uh, but I, there's in this episode, there, there is a willingness to do the not easy thing um, because she knows what's right. And even though there's maybe some things that she doesn't do perfectly, I will take that initiative and agency over um, complacency any day of the week. And so all, all, of the, all of the gratitude for Opal. I'm here for it. Opal's a winner. It's been a great episode, uh, at least in my opinion. <laughs> um, Y'all can check us out on all of them interwebs things, BNB underscore pod. That is short for break, uh, bending, not breaking underscore pod. That is uh, the Twitter, the Instagram, 
the TikTok. Find us there. Go check those things out. We're still doing live episodes as well uh, every month, and so you can go check us out on Patreon, uh, BNB underscore pod there as well. Um, I'm Sunshine Mayfield. I am Ben Pruitt. And we are bending, not breaking. Thank you for listening.